Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co-founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co-founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig. Welcome to the Norton Radio Podcast today, and thank you for joining us. However, you may be listening, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or any of the podcast platforms. Thanks for being here. I am your host, Pete Newbig, and we have another great show today. Daniel Craig is with us, and Daniel is a passionate about helping entrepreneurs making the most of their God-given talents and believes that financial clarity is crucial to driving commitment and change toward breakthrough profitability. He's the co-author of the NARPM Accounting Standards and the CEO of Profit Coach, a property management-focused financial services company with the mission of helping PM entrepreneurs expand their personal freedoms of time, finances, and purpose by building highly profitable, self-managing PM businesses. He is blessed to be husband to Megan and father of three children and loves almost every minute of it. So we're gonna get we're gonna talk to Daniel here in a in a few moments, and we've had a we had a great conversation, Daniel and I, and um, I think there's a lot of value here, uh, especially if you are being controlled by your business. Daniel's gonna help you control your business. But before we get to Daniel, let's talk a little bit about our hot topic, the hot topic. So today I want to talk about KPI. So what is a KPI? As I talk to more and more business owners, I realize that. We, I just assume that everybody understands what a KPI is, but there are a lot of people out there who, who don't know what, what it actually even stands for. So a KPI is a key performance indicator, which is just a metric. It's quantifiable data that allows you to evaluate success. And so your business should have KPIs, your department should have KPIs, and then every member or every job role in your company should have a KPI. So you say, well, why should, I, why should we have KPIs, for, especially for every job role? Well, you as the business leader need to know what is important to track, right? That's why you have these company KPIs, what's important at the high level, but then what is important at each role to make sure that that person in that role is being successful. And so, you know, the old saying, what gets measured gets done. So if I'm an, an employee or a team member and I'm doing lease renewals, well, I should know what my KPIs are. Now, that doesn't mean those are the only things I do, but those are the, those are the major, you know, that's my major scorecard. Your team needs to know what their scorecard is. And so how do they know if they're, if, uh, how do they know if they're going to be successful, right? So how do you know if the job role is successful other than I have this feeling, right? So KPIs give you data to determine if the person in that job role is being successful or if that job role is successful, Okay, great. So, all right, Pete, I know I need a, a KPI. I understand what it is. I want to have everybody has one. Well, how do I actually go about that? Well, every job, every job role should have one to three KPIs. If you have a job role and you build a job role and it's got 15 or 20 KPIs, that's way too many KPIs. If everything is important, nothing is important. 
And also, what happens is if you have those 15 KPIs, no one's going to be able to handle that many KPIs. I mean, even your top line KPIs for your company should only have about three to seven KPIs. So one to three KPIs per role. They must be easy to report on. So for example, if you are building KPIs for your maintenance team and you want customer satisfaction, but you have no way to actually get customer satisfaction, uh, you don't have a, you know, a, a, a process or a system for it, they're not going to be able to grab that information. So you as a business owner have to determine what is important that you want to, that you want to report on. And then how do you get that data? And the data must be easy to report on, must be easily uh, able to get that data. If, if you want to get data and it need, you need four spreadsheets and then you have to create like crazy calculations and then you have to divide by pi, it's not going to work. So you have to build the process and the systems to make sure that you can report on the data. And then your people should be able to grab that report and then put it in their key performance indicator sheet, which you should go over weekly with, with the team. So the next thing is you, the, the KPI needs to be obtainable. So for example, uh, again, at, at my company, our, uh, our KPI for maintenance was that we wanted to have any work orders over 15 days old, open work orders over 15 days old needed to be like 7% of all of our work orders or total work orders that were open. And well, if we start out and that was 40%, I couldn't make the KPI 7%. Much like if you're trying to lose weight at the beginning of the year and say, I want to lose 20 pounds, you can't lose 20 pounds in a week. So you have to have a weekly goal of maybe I want to lose two pounds, one pound, whatever it is. So as you build the KPI, if, if you tell your team, okay, we're at 40% and we want to get it down to 7%, well, if that 40% doesn't, if you don't get close to that 7%, over time, people are just going to realize they can't hit these goals. So what you want to do is you want to say, okay, we're at 40% now. The goal for next week is 38%. The goal for the week after might be 36%, 35%. Whatever it is, you want to bring that goal down. So can you change the, the number in the KPI? And yes, you can. Can you change KPIs? Yes. So maybe you have two or three KPIs that you really want to start with, but you actually have six indicators overall. Well, take the two or three after a while, if they're working, if the team is hitting those KPIs all the time, you can switch them out and add a couple or, or change them out for a couple of different indicators that you want to measure that maybe they're not doing as well in. And so remember, as the business owner, you have to determine what is important. What are you going to measure? Then you have to determine, do you have a means to get that measurement? And then it has to be easy. And then you can obviously change the the KPI itself. We'll be right back and then we're going to talk to Daniel right after this. Have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant but didn't know where to start? Or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants? If so, VPM Solutions is here to help. VPM is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate. We have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you, including assistance for accounting, leasing, maintenance coordination, rent collections, and much more. With VPM, you can post jobs, screen candidates, hire and pay your virtual assistants, all from within our state-of-the-art platform. VPM is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. And the best part? VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free. 
no placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. Create the best move-in experience for your resident or homeowner. Citizen Home Solutions is a utility concierge service designed to assist with services needing activation prior to moving into a new home. Our experienced team will help eliminate the stress of setting up services. No more calling a long list of service providers to get everything connected and ready for move-in day. Your client will value the white glove service provided on your behalf. True, Citizen Home Solutions assist with utilities, but more importantly, we create an experience that your client will appreciate and love. Our service is free and offers you a revenue share program. Want to know more? Visit pmcpartner.com. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. And uh, as promised, I got you a Daniel Craig. No, not that Daniel Craig. I got you the one from the PM Profit Coach. Danny, thanks for being with us today. Hey, I, I, I'm glad to be here and sorry to be a disappointment <laughs> right out of the gate because I know they wanted to hear from the real 007. <laughs> so, Daniel, you're more important than the 007 because you're the co-founder and CEO of the PM Profit Coach. So what exactly does PM Profit Coach do and what is the inspiration behind creating the company? Sure. Yeah. Profit Coach helps property management entrepreneurs achieve their entrepreneurial dreams by building highly profitable, self-managing property management companies. That's my elevator pitch. How did I do? Is that did, good? Did pretty good. So tell okay. me, what was the inspiration behind it though? Yeah. Um, so here's the inspiration. Um, always had the itch to be in business. And back in about 2014, my brother and I were coming out of uh, some W-2 jobs and wanted to get in business uh, together. And so we started looking around. Uh, what are some different business opportunities? His background was in finance. Mine was actually in sales and marketing. And so we thought, well, hey, let's, let's, let's build off what we already know and let's do finance. Let's do accounting. And as we started thinking about accounting, we realized that in general, most people do not think that their CPAs can give them meaningful business advice, which is kind of a shame. You would think that the person who knows most about your finances could actually help you improve them. And so we thought that there might be an opportunity here in accounting to actually help business owners improve their bottom line by providing value-added advice on top of accounting and bookkeeping services. So we started this company and it wasn't Profit Coach. It was called Green Bloom Accounting. And we just started taking everybody that would let us do their books for them. And the pitch was, hey, we can do your bookkeeping, but we can also coach and advise you and help you make more money. Well, that's a little bit of a tough pitch going from bookkeeping to advising. And it's also tough to really have the expertise to help people improve their bottom line when you're working in seven different industries. So a few years into that, we said, we need to find one industry where we can be the expert. And so through a series of events and uh, God directing us, we landed on property management. And in 2017, started interviewing property managers and doing some customer discovery interviews to really find out what their pain points were. And we developed a beta offering of a coaching program that basically combined dashboarding, masterminds, and one-on-one -on -one financial performance coaching and rolled it out to five property managers. And they all said, yes, I want this on the first call. 
And so we said, okay, we might be onto something. And so we uh, obviously dove in deep. And the inspiration here to, to come back to your question was really this idea of helping business owners understand their numbers in a way that actually drives action that improves their bottom line so that they can ultimately, like I said, build highly profitable companies that are self-managing and that help them achieve their entrepreneurial dreams. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. And we're going to touch on a few of those things later on when we, when we talk. But one of the things I wrote down when I was listening to you was fractional CFO question mark. Is that, is that something that you guys would be like a fractional CFO for somebody that's using your services? Yeah, yeah, good, good question. We know that that's a way to describe what we do. We typically don't use that because we're really focused on what I would call financial performance coaching. There can be a lot of financial administrative tasks that a CFO might do, like you know, landing, you know, financing for a company. Uh, we don't do that sort of thing. We're focused on helping business owners. Number one, understand the drivers of their current financial performance. Why is your performance what it is today? And what are the specific drivers of that? And not only that, you know, what are the things that you've been doing that have been leading to those results to date? Number two, helping business owners understand where do you want to go? Like, what are you in business for? It's not just doors, doors, doors. There's a dream here. There's a degree of, uh, of what we call entrepreneurial freedom that you're really seeking, freedom of time, freedom of finance, freedom of purpose, of relationship. And then what are those goals from a meta perspective? And what are the financial components of that that we need to get really clear on? And specifically, what is the monthly financial game plan that we need to build to help you achieve that? And then the third thing that we help people do is hold them accountable. Here's where you are today. Here's where you want to go. How are you going to get there? And are you remaining accountable to those goals? Yeah, I remember I was, I was an earlier adopter to, uh, to you and your company and, and Empire Industries. And we were one of the first, I think we were one of the first clients. You were and, early on. Yeah. Yeah, we were early on. And I, I remember like, you know, most entrepreneurs, when they, they're, they're sales and marketing typical type of people, they yeah. don't, they know, they don't even look at numbers. I was more of an operational guy. Steve, my business partner was the, was kind of the visionary and none of us really, we would look at our numbers, but we really understand them. And when, yeah. when we kind of got with you and we're going to talk about the mindset here later on, but when mm -hmm. we got with you guys, you uh, helped us actually understand what the what numbers we should be looking at. Number one, yeah, and then what they actually meant, and mm -hmm. you were able to tell us if they were good or not, because mm -hmm. you helped. And my next question is, you helped develop the NARPM accounting standards. Yeah, which, absolutely. Which allowed us to understand like what the numbers should be in in our industry, right? Mm -hmm. So tell our listeners a, a little bit about the purpose of the accounting standards and why they need to adopt them. Yeah. So kind of picking back up from the story a few minutes ago in 2017, we built this coaching program. And then the next idea was, well, what are we going to tell people that they should do? Uh, and, and how do we know what financial performance should look like? So we dove into building a financial benchmarking study and basically got 50 different companies to give us their data. Now, this is relevant because what we discovered is, of course, all 50 companies were using a separate chart of accounts. There was no cohesion in terms of the way that they were tracking their financial data. So we sort of had to create the standard chart of accounts internally, map everybody's financials to that, sort of create an apples to apples 
comparison that would then give us meaningful outputs. And so we produced the benchmarking study, got a lot of great attention because that was a level of insight that people hadn't had before. And as a result of that, we entered into relationship with NARPM and they hired us to write what are now called the NARPM accounting standards. And the idea here is that this uh, would provide a financial framework for understanding your own financials at a deeper level, but also comparing your financial performance to other companies. And so that was really the goal, is a framework for understanding and comparison. So here's what the, the, the NARPM accounting standards include. They, under, they include, number one, a standard chart of accounts so that we're all doing our bookkeeping with the same GL codes and we can then have meaningful comparison conversations between companies. Number two, they include a standard set of metrics so that there's actually, again, parity in terms of how we're calculating things like revenue per unit. You know, what does revenue per unit include for you? Does it include maintenance? Does it include brokerage? What does it include? So standard set of metrics. And then thirdly, a standard set of benchmarks so that we can say, all right, based off of an, uh, an analysis with this framework of accurate comparison, what are the top performers doing? And that then becomes the benchmark that everybody strives to achieve. So um, the purpose of the NARPM accounting standards has really been to help people understand where they are today and where they could go. And I think that's really the key thing is a lot of times entrepreneurs are heads down and, 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 and you know, really don't know what's possible. And so one of the beautiful things about the NARPM accounting standards is it really helps people understand what is possible. And when people open up their mind and expand their box as to what's possible, then cool things happen. They begin to take action in a new way because they have the confidence based on seeing what other people are doing and great things happen in their business. I think that's the one major thing that I, one, one of the major takeaways that I got when, I, when we were working with you was we would have a number and, you know, with my, my, with my business coach, I'm like, okay, it's a number. And then I would ask, is that good? Cause I didn't yeah. know if it was good. What the normal yeah. accounting standards does, it literally can tell you, is it good? And the answer is sometimes it's yes. And then most of the times it's no, but then you know, <laughs> okay, these are the two or three numbers that I need to do. I need to work on. And then here, let's, let's create some levers or levers to go ahead and, and move those yeah. levers so that I can, I can move those numbers. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, that's spot on. And you know, there's a couple of key components here. A, what should you be measuring? Number two, what should you be uh, trying to achieve? And then number three, and this is really a cool thing about the NARPM community, is what are the best practices, or we'd like to say, what are the predictive best practices around moving these numbers? And, and I think that's really one of the beautiful things that the NARPM accounting standards have facilitated is more meaningful conversations to say, here's the key number, that you need to watch, it's going to drive profitability. But not only that, here are the key best practices over a variety of property management companies as to what owners have found that if you do X, Y, and Z in your business, it will number. improve that number and ultimately drive the profitability that you're looking for in your business. And I guess maybe we can just kind of go into the, the mindset question here uh, in terms of, I think that is why business owners are avoidant of financials is, this is really important. There's a lot of, you know, we, we talk a lot about owning the financial outcome of your business. And I think you should. But most of these entrepreneurs, 
have zero financial IQ or they don't like sure. numbers, they're not detailed because why? In in their personality profile, they are literally high eyes and if you'd like disc, but they're they yeah. the salespeople, the visionaries, right? And so they start the business and then they're like, oh man, I gotta be the financial guy. Yeah, yeah. And 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 so it's like, all right, I'm supposed to look at a PL. And, you know, if you know what a PL is, profit and loss statement. Um, and I'm supposed to look at a PL and I'm supposed to extract value from this. But this PL isn't talking my language. My language is action. Right. This, I don't know how to drive value from this. I don't know what this means to me. And so I think, you know, to the point here is that one of the reasons that entrepreneurs don't spend time looking at their numbers. And as a result, get buried in what we call financial fog is because the numbers aren't actionable for them. And they don't understand the, what we call again, predictive best practices that say, if you do X, Y, and Z, you're highly likely to be able to affect this number, which is going to drive your bottom line. And so I think the, the mindset here that we're talking about is, understanding that there is a new framework with an ARPM accounting standards that can actually give you actionable insight. And I think when entrepreneurs understand that looking at numbers can actually correlate to, hey, this is what you need to do to improve your bottom line, then they get a lot more excited about spending time on those numbers because they know what they can do to actually move the needle. And to, to take it even one step further, you had mentioned this earlier, it's also what, what, is the, what are they trying to accomplish, right? We all started our business for a specific reason, whether it's yeah. time, whether it's money, wh whatever it is. And so I can take the actionable items to increase profitability, reduce expense, whatever we want to say, so that I can go live the lifestyle that I want mm -hmm. to live. And I think, mm -hmm. I think you kind of connect those dots throughout the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that's the beautiful thing is understanding not just, you know, that your performance is going in the right direction, but ultimately saying, if you do X, Y, and Z, you're going to be able to achieve, you know, these aspects of your dreams. And when you can connect it back to the emotional drivers for people, again, that's where they take action. Yeah. And then when you look at your financials, typically you're looking at numbers in arrears. Sure. Right. And so, um, and then if you don't, if you don't know what action to take, another month goes by, another month goes by, and you still look right. at these numbers. Uh, a lot of times with your, when I was working with you, I could actually see stuff during the month and we sure. can see if things are working during the month. So you can actually take quicker action than if you were just looking at your P&L or whichever financial statement you, you were looking at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say, th you know, the point that you're making here is that one of the key reasons we look at numbers is to be able to accurately make projections for where we're going in the future. And, and so could kind of paint this picture a little bit. Uh, for me, financial review and looking at numbers is a lot more valuable when you start with a game plan, a financial game plan. And so I think that that's the missing component for a lot of entrepreneurs is they didn't have anything to compare to. It is what it is. It's what happened. But did you have a plan, a financial plan, a forecast, is what we call it, that you were comparing to, to where you can actually say, here's what we said we were going to achieve. And these were the things that we said we were going to need to do to create these results. Here's the results that actually came in. Did we do those things? And if not, why not? 
instead of just saying, well, what happened is what happened. Now you can actually go a level deeper and get to the level of behavior and say, what were the behaviors that we said we needed to do to achieve these results? Did we do them or not? If not, why not? And what can we do differently next time to make sure those behaviors do occur so that we achieve our goals? Okay, so we know that the mindset of an entrepreneur, they're kind of scared, resistant to financials. We're talking about these NARPM accounting standards and, and how to kind of you know, control your business. Uh, to them, that sounds like, oh my goodness, this is like so hard and I'm so scared. So what exactly the process to adopting these accounting standards that can tell me this great story about my business that I can take action on? Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, at the end of the day, uh, take it one step at a time. The first step is you just got to get the bookkeeping done right. And I think we all agree that bookkeeping needs to be done right. Now, there is a mindset shift that needs to occur here. The reason we do accounting is not primarily to report our taxable income to the IRS, okay? And if that's, the, if that's what you think the main reason is you do accounting, you're never going to get that much value out of your numbers. That's the last reason we do accounting. The main reason we do accounting is so that we have a framework for predicting the future and ultimately achieving those goals in the future. And so what I would say is, you know, get the right mindset on the value of accounting. And then secondly, got to just go through the process of uh, converting to the NARPM chart of accounts. This isn't that hard. There are vendors like Profit Coach who will uh, offer a completely done for you solution you know, to, to go in and convert your books to the NARPM chart of accounts. You got to get your bookkeeper trained up on using that. It's really not that, that big of a deal. Once you have that basis, you've got that data set, then you have to start doing something with it. And that looks like calculating some, some basic metrics. Uh, in our experience, uh, having advised you know, well over 100 different companies, we have consistently found that there are six key metrics that tell the story of financial performance really in any property management business. So you don't, I mean, you don't really need 30 metrics. You need about six to really understand 80% of what there is to understand in terms of financial performance. Got to calculate those. Again, there's ways to have that done on a done-for-you basis. Profit Coach, for example, has a solution called Profit Coach Dash, where we pull in the financial data from your corporate accounting software, typically QuickBooks for most people, from your property management software as well. Combine those two data sets to present the key six metrics. Should I go through those, Pete? I'm going to ask you about them later on, Daniel. So okay. That's called a tease in the business I heard. <laughs> Not that I'm in the business of podcasting. I <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So I want to talk about, I think this is probably one of them because I've heard you numerous times on different podcasts and on stage talk about what's called the direct labor efficiency rate. Is that one of them, by the way? Yeah, direct labor efficiency ratio. Absolutely. Okay. So, yeah. one of them. so tell, talk a little bit about, tell our listeners what that means and then mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what is a standard, what should be the standard DLR? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think one of the ways to, answer the question and sort of contextualize why this metric is important is that people are always trying to figure out how much should you spend to get the job done, right? Like how much should I pay a property manager or how many doors can a property manager manage? Well, as you all know, it's super hard to answer those questions, especially today, because there's any number of ways to get the job done. And, and, and most people aren't on a straight portfolio manager basis. You know, they've got some mix of portfolio slash hybrid slash, uh, slash departmental slash squad. 
And perhaps they're using some global team members and they're using several outsourced solutions in the mix. So this whole question of how many uh, doors can an FTE or full-time equivalent manage is really hard to answer anymore because of the way work's getting done in a very fractionalized way. So that's difficult to answer. And it's also difficult to answer is how much do you pay a property manager? Well, is your property manager stateside? Are they global? And how much you know, are, uh, you know, do each of those costs on an average basis? Oh, that's just really dependent on your market and uh, where your global team members are if you're global. So those questions are difficult to answer. That's why direct labor efficiency as a way of answering the question, how much should we be spending to get the job done becomes very effective. Here's what the metric means. Direct labor efficiency, very simply, is how many dollars of revenue do we generate for every dollar that we spend to get the property management job done? Okay. So very simply, if you're at a 3.0 labor efficiency, what we're saying is $3 come in, you spend $1 in total labor costs, whether that's global team members, local team members, outsource services, you name it, that's, you know, that dollar is what you're spending to get the job done. So it's a three to one ratio. We call we would call that a 3.0 DLER, direct labor efficiency ratio. Okay. If you like percentages, you could look at it in the reverse and basically say you're spending 33% of revenue to get the job done. The reason this metric is important is because we have found very, very, very consistently that this metric has the highest correlation to profitability. Overall, when profitability goes up, you'll see, generally speaking, that direct labor efficiency is going up as well, or reverse that. If direct labor efficiency goes up, profitability generally goes up. Why is it such a significant driver? Well, in the world of business, I like to keep things simple, there's really two ways to increase profitability. Charge more for what you do, spend less to get the job done. Direct labor efficiency takes into consideration both of those factors. The charging more aspect, which we'll get to in a moment, that's revenue per unit. If you improve the revenue per unit and you're charging more for the same job, you're going to get a higher labor efficiency. Or if you spend less to get the job done on the largest portion of expenses, which is your direct labor, then again, labor efficiency will also go up. So to summarize, labor efficiency, how many dollars do we spend or how much revenue do we get for every dollar spent on direct labor is such an effective metric because it's a quick way to, to determine, are you in the range of how much you should spend to get the job done? And the specific benchmark is uh, 3.5. We find that companies that hit a 3.5 labor efficiency have a high likelihood of achieving the financial benchmark profitability rate of 25% profit margins. So that's the benchmark. That's the target. And the 3.5, would that be equivalent to 35%? 3.5 is basically saying you're getting $3.50 of revenue for every dollar spent on direct labor. The percentage version of that would be to say you're only spending 29%, 29%. of revenue on direct labor. So I always tell the story at Empire, we, uh, we were running our... We didn't do. We didn't have direct labor back then, but our uh, our cost of labor was fifty six percent of our revenue or our, our yeah. income. And uh, I always I heard through through my business coach that it should be like thirty to thirty four percent. So you know we were we had too many people or paying too many salaries for yeah. the number of properties we had, and we used global team members as you call them, and we were able to reduce our percentage from 56% to 34%. So kind of close awesome. to that range. And then guess what happened, right? We, we started becoming profitable 
you know, yeah. so this literally is an example of what you just said, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what I would call a predictive best practice. We have found that in this industry, that there is a high success rate with integrating global talent, not just into data entry jobs, but into significant positions in maintenance coordination, leasing, and even tenant and owner relations. Okay. And so that is, is a best practice in this industry that has a high like high correlation to improving direct labor efficiency. Okay. Another best practice that's related to direct labor efficiency would be workflow automation. We have seen that companies that invest a reasonable amount of money in workflow automation and then combine that with global talent have, again, a high likelihood of producing high labor efficiency because they've sort of created the rails on which the work runs and they can then plug the global talent onto those rails and good things happen at a high level of customer experience and consistency in delivering the work can happen with global talent when you're also simultaneously using workflow automation and you know that is exactly, getting some that some is, value out of the automations as well that is exactly what we did we we were so chaotic we hired a bunch of global team members they were able to kind of help us get less chaotic which then allowed us to use the brain power uh, of the team to then implement the automation systems. <laughs> and once I love automation because once you do it, it's done. You just have to tweak it from time to time. And it gives the customer service the same, the same type of customer service, regardless who's using the automation. <laughs> so really, really powerful stuff. And yeah, so, absolutely. So your company has reviewed hundreds of financials from property management companies. <laughs> what are the most common mistakes made by PM companies have you seen in their financials? Yeah, um, I would say the first mistake is they don't really have an understanding of what their how their PL should be structured. And what I mean by that is you really need to make sure that your PL is giving you a basis of financial clarity by making sure that there's some key segmentations going on. The first and most basic segmentation is not mixing brokerage and property management and maintenance. Just because you do through all, all three of those things in your business doesn't mean they're the same business. They're 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 really different business units, different business operations, and they need to be viewed separately so that you can understand what the relative performance of each of those is. Oftentimes, we'll find that when they're not separated out, people look at their bottom line and they're like, "Oh, we've got a decent bottom line." But when you peel back the layers of the onion, you split it out, you'll find that one business unit is subsidizing the other business units and they're not being made to stand on their own feet. So I would say that's probably one of the most common mistakes is just not making sure that your profit and loss statement has a good level of segmentation. Another thing that is fairly common is people will be like, hey, I've got a 56% profit margin. And I'm like, well, what are you paying yourself? They're like, well, I don't pay myself anything. Well, I'm like, well, then, then you don't have a 56% profit margin because your time is worth something. And if you got hit by a bus, somebody would have to do your job. And so, you know, what, what is your profit margin after the owner is making a market-based wage? That's another mistake people make. I think also people trading tax benefits for financial clarity is a mistake, like running all your family expenses and Disneyland uh, trips through the business just for tax benefits. Frankly, that's not, you know, that's, that's, that's very gray uh, to put it <laughs> mildly, but beyond that, you know, the, the financial benefit that you gain from doing that compared to the financial downside of operating in that much financial fog 
you know, we don't like that. <laughs> and I just think, you know, if you're going to do that, make sure that you have a way to know at the end of the day, what your true bottom line is your operating profit margin. Cause you know, you never know when you might sell this company and you, you just don't want to have all those deal adjustments in the I, books. Uh, I had an old, uh, an old business owner back you know, kind of mentor back in the day. And he always told me you have to have two sets of books, <laughs> right? Sure. One that you do for, for your taxes and like the real one for your company. So if you are putting all that stuff through, make sure you have like another set of books to give to Dan. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, 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 that's a good way to say it. So those are some common mistakes. And in addition to that, I think the most common mistake is not setting financial targets. That's most people point. get to the end of the year and they're like, it's January. CPA, send me my P&L. And they look at the P&L. They're like, oh, it, it is what it is. But here's what they say. I know next year will be different. <laughs> and, 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 and I just, I made a comment to my business partner the other day and basically said, I think one of the, the, the most significant faulty beliefs of the entrepreneur is the belief that the future will not be like the past. And there's some really good stuff about that. That's the optimism that keeps us in the game and coming back at it for another year. It'll be different next time, except that it probably won't be different next time unless you change your behaviors. And so what people need to do is create a realistic forecast for the next 12 months. Instead of looking at the 12 months, instead of looking at 2022 in the rearview mirror come January of 2023, just go ahead and write the PNL now. Like you can do that. You can look at what happened in 2021 and with a high degree of accuracy, you can write your 2022 PL right now and then stare that PL for the future in the face and say, Am I happy with this? And if I'm not happy with it, what are the behaviors that I'm going to have to change to create a new reality? But if you don't know what your current behaviors are going to produce for 2022, sorry, for 2022 with a high degree of accuracy and, and confidence then you really don't have any sort of mental accountability to make you change your behavior. So I would say that's the biggest mistake is not forecasting, just hoping that the future is going to be different than the past and finding out too late that it wasn't. So a couple of takeaways there. One, I find it comical that as property managers, what do we look at all the time is like, people's credit reports to make sure that we're going to put them in, in the home. Exactly. And we always look, we always say one of, one of our kind of mantras is I can tell your future by looking at your past yet. We do it over and over, right? We, we, we literally do that over and over. And so I think that's pretty, pretty comical that yeah. uh, we, we look at that stuff. We, we don't, we do it ourselves. The, yeah. sec the second thing that that comes out is rate. Like if you're listening to this, just raise your hand. If you actually have done a forecast, I would bet that there's very few people raising their hand right now. Less than 20%. Uh, is it less than 20%? Not even 80, 20%? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm quite sure. <laughs> yeah. and look, I, I, I was one of those people. Like when I did a forecast, sometimes I would do it like in, you know, like February for that, that year. Like I'm doing a forecast, yeah. like instead of like, you know, doing it. And when do you, when do you, when is best to do a forecast, Daniel? Should, like, should we do it like Q4 of the year prior? I know you said you can do it today, but let, let's, when's the best time that I should spend some think time and some mindset and, and clear the calendar for a forecast? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing I would say is, you know, not, not to sort of, you know, be a jerk about the question, but you should be doing forecasting all the time. And, 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 and what I mean by that is distinguish between a forecast and a budget. A budget is the thing that you do, you typically Q4 and it's a huge pain in the neck. You spend a bunch of time on it 
and it goes on a spreadsheet somewhere in your office and becomes irrelevant in three months and you stop looking at it after Q1. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a relevant, simple, recurring, accurate, but simple and easy to use way to predict the future in real time. And we've developed a tool that we give away all the time. Uh, so we can put it in the show notes, uh, Pete. Uh, that's a, a forecast model built for property management. And typically, I can build a highly accurate 12-month forecast in about 30 to 60 minutes. Okay. Wow. So, so, you know, this doesn't need to be something that's like, I'm going to set aside, you know, three days for this. Like, just do it. And then here's the key thing. Keep coming back to it. We believe we're huge believers in reforecasting. So here's the conversation that happens with our clients all the time. We start with a forecasting the non-financial piece of it because that really is what drives the finances. By non-financial, I just mean units. How many units are you going to add? How many units are you going to lose? How many leases are you going to sign? Renewals, applications, okay? Those kinds of non-financial components that drive the financial piece of it. So the, the conversation typically starts with, all right, how many doors are you going to add? I'm going to add 20 doors a month this year, right? And, and, and I, and I, and all right out of the gate, I'm like, okay, well, let's, what did you do last year? Okay. Realistic. Two doors a month. Is the future, is the future going to be like the past? Well, we did five doors a month last year. Okay, great. So what's going to be different this time? Well, 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 you know, we got to, you know, you know, no, but what's going to be different? What's going to change in your lead flow? What's going to change in your sales process? And then, you know, they start to give me, like, well, we did hire a BDM and we're going to spend so much on leads and, and, and we're going to do all these things. Okay, great. So, you know, let's do the math. Okay, this is how many leads you would need to generate to you know, close that many doors at a 25% conversion rate, roughly. You know, you need 80 leads a month. Okay, so let's put it in the forecast, but let's talk in February and see how we did. Okay, see, this is the value right here of recurring real-time forecasting. So we meet in February. Okay, you added 10 doors a month. You said you're going to add 20. What did you do? What didn't you do compared to plan? Why do we have the gap? And now let's reset the forecast for the rest of the year. It's not that big of a deal if you didn't hit your goal. What is a big deal is if you didn't hit your goal and you didn't find out about it till 12 months later. But if you didn't hit your goal, you find out about it a month or two later, make a course correction. And that's the beauty of real-time forecasting is you can continue to get clear on where you're going and make real-time adjustments to just stay in touch with reality and actually drive change in your organization. Danny, that is some gold stuff right there. You've dropped so much, so much knowledge already. And now I'm going to ask you to drop even more. <laughs> I'm a CEO. I'm on a deserted Island. I want to know how my company's doing. What are the six numbers that I'm looking at? Okay. All right. Well, the, the, the number one metric is definitely profitability. I'll, uh, you you want to know how profitable your business is. And we de define that very simply as, you know, how much of the revenue pie, what percent of the revenue pie is left over after you, you know, pay all your expenses, that's profitability. And uh, the benchmark for that is 25%. People, people are achieving 30, 35, 40% in this industry. The top 25% of performers average 25%. So that's the number one metric. Um, but that, that, that only tells you sort of, okay, that's what's happening. But now you really want to know what's driving that. So the next five really help you understand the key drivers of profitability. Um, and, and what I would call my desert island metric in terms of the one metric 
that really drives profitability is what we already talked about. And that's direct labor efficiencies. And that's metric number two. We covered that. Don't need to talk about that more. Metric number three is uh, revenue per unit. And revenue per unit is probably the fastest way tactically to create change in the bottom line of the company. Here's why. A 10% revenue per unit increase can easily produce a 100% increase in bottom line profit per unit. Here's how the math works. Do you mind if I go into it real quick? Go for it. I, okay. I know I'm excited about it. I'm sure if, I'm sure if, if you're driving and you're about to fall asleep, wake up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's how the math works. Got $150 revenue per unit. And let's say your profit per unit is 15 bucks today, which would be uh, above average. That's a 10% profit margin. Okay. Can you find a way to add $15 to your revenue per unit? Okay. That's really not that hard for crying out loud. Roll out a resident benefits, you know, package. And, and, and that will typically get you around 10 to 15 bucks. Okay. If you can find a way to add $15 to your revenue per unit, it goes from 150 to 165. That's a 10% increase. And that new $15 goes straight to the bottom line. Your bottom line profit per unit just went from 15 to 30, a 10% increase in revenue per unit produced a 100% increase in the bottom line. Here's the deal. A lot of property managers work on their pricing when they get started, and they often set their pricing based off of the desire to break into a, a new market. So it's on the low side. Yep. And then the tweaks they make generally are sort of geared to kind of meet the break-even point. But a few property managers really put the time and effort into not just revenue per unit increases, but the market differentiation and the positioning that will allow you to present and you know, sort of extract the value from, from your clientele, deliver and extract the value uh, to really dial in pricing and ultimately move the bottom line in a significant way. So there you go. That's metric number three. Metric number four, this is perhaps one of the less exciting metrics to talk about, but it's really important. It's expenses in terms of the key categories of non-labor expenses. We're talking about facilities, as defined by the NARPM accounting standards and other operating expenses. So expenses as a percent of revenue. One of the beautiful things about the NARPM accounting standards is that you can look at key buckets of expenses as a bucket. You can see the forest view and say, all right, in total, how much are we spending on this bucket of expenses as a percent of revenue? What are other people spending? And are we fat? A lot of people are fat, way fatter than they realize. And they start going through their recurring expenses, their software expenses, like, well, we don't need that. We don't use that. You know, and, and they start cleaning up house and they can really uh, drive some significant profitability with that one. I find you can you can knock off 10 to 15 percent of expenses without even sweating. Yeah. 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 Now, let me ask yeah, you this, that's real, real quick before you get to the next one. Do you find that the second biggest biggest expense is office space? Because that was mine. And I just kind of use that when I present. But is that is that what you're finding even in today's world after post covid? Is that still the second biggest expense that you're seeing? Yeah, no, I, I don't know that I would, yeah, I wouldn't say that office space is the second biggest expense. I mean, kind of certainly, you know, you've got multiple aspects of labor that would be bigger than that. You got all your, you know, payroll taxes and benefits. Then beyond that, I would generally say that I'm seeing software is more significant than, than office space. So yeah, probably not, not, not office space. Good to know. Especially now. 
Yeah, good to know. I just had a, uh, I, I guess over, I was just overpaying for office space is what I think. But now with, yeah, yeah. with the post pandemic, a lot of people haven't gone back to, to the office space or they've gotten a smaller footprint. But yeah. anyway, moving on, devil's the next one. Yeah, so we've covered the first four. The next one is churn. Churn is important because it really speaks to your scalability and the overall customer experience that you're providing. We have a slogan here at Profit Coach, profit over doors, because the conversation in this industry used to be, how many doors are you managing? As if that was the standard of success. And what we discovered is there's people managing a thousand doors that aren't making any money. So that can't be the standard of success. However, once you get profitable, more doors do equal more profit. Okay. And if you have an empty bucket or sorry, a leaky bucket, uh, when it comes to churn, you're not going to be very scalable. And so what I like to talk about is that churn helps you understand that metric helps you understand how scalable is your customer experience and, 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 and really your customer retention. So that would be the, the, the fifth one. Go ahead. Do you break down churn by good churn and bad churn? Meaning I, yes. maybe, maybe I sold a home, right? They, they were going to sell the home and I got the sale versus this person's unhappy. And, uh, you, you know, not only did he fire me, but he left me with a BBB, you know, uh, yeah. better business bureau deal. And is there a breakdown on that? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, don't have any benchmarks specifically around good, bad, neutral, but we like to encourage people to track it so they can yeah. sort of understand what is driving their churn. A lot of people will just be like, especially in today's market, well, it's the hot sales market. Okay. Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. And you, you are probably, it's a good chance you're just guessing. Um, so good, neutral, bad, good churn is they sold and they sold through us. Neutrals, they sold, didn't sell through us, move back in, foreclose, something like that. Bad churn is, you know, they fired us, we fired them, but they're still renting. So that would be bad churn. And so, yeah, understanding those specific categories can be really helpful. And also just, you know, not buying the lie that you can't impact the owner's thinking around the buy-sell decision. If you think you're a victim of the market, then, then you're a victim of the market. Then you're going to be a victim of the market. Yeah. Well, well said. Have you seen a percentage of churn that's kind of standard uh, that we should be shooting for, or is it all over the? Yeah, all over the yeah. Place? You know, industry average is twenty five percent. I generally say anything under twenty is good. Under fifteen is great. Under ten is, you should probably raise your prices. <laughs> good to know. All right, give us the last one before we head to a break. That would be unit acquisition costs, and this really speaks to the growth side, understanding the return on investment in terms of your marketing spend. So how many dollars is it taking you to acquire a new unit, both in terms of advertising dollars and sales dollars? And when you really get clear on this metric and get clear on it over time, and also understand from a segmented segmented perspective, what your various lead sources are costing you, then you can begin to make more sophisticated decisions around your marketing spend and an and, and approach to growth. One of the most significant problems and probably the most significant mistake people make with growth is thinking that they can spend their way into growth. Yeah, if you don't have the competency and mindset that and the, the, the sort of the marketing mastery mindset around growth, you're just going to spend money in a hole, flush it down the toilet and not get the return that you want. So you really need some ownership and some personal investment of expertise into marketing to really get the most out of those marketing dollars and customer acquisition costs or unit acquisition costs helps you measure that. 
I like that. So you, you did say unit acquisition costs. So if I get one, one investor with 20 properties, my unit acquisition cost is much lower than one investor right. with one property. Yeah. When right. you, when you look at unit acquisition costs, are you looking at just the marketing dollars or are you looking at your, your team as well as part of that cost? Yeah. Yeah. Both. I would look at the advertising only side of things and then the all in port an all in view, including both the BDM spend combined with the, the advertising. And going back to the direct labor rate, are you, yeah. are you putting in your marketing and sales team in that DLER or is that separated out? That is not included. Yeah. So labor efficiency, direct labor efficiency or direct labor specifically includes people that are spending 50% or more of their time doing the property management work. Typically um, sales labor would go in the management labor bucket. Got it. And Danny, I can sit here and talk to you all day, but we got to take a quick break and then we're going to do the, the lightning round. You ready for it, man? Awesome. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Did you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, yourris.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-S.com. Renters Insurance Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance. PestShare, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program, starting at just $5 per door. You can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations like bed bugs and cockroaches. And the debate over who pays for pest control, while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at pestshare.com forward slash property managers. Scaling your business means juggling many moving parts, leaving you wondering how to manage it all. How can you keep your eye on growth and streamline your operations? At RentBridge, we've created the Property Management Operating System, an ecosystem for property management marketing and process automation, where you can view and take action on the most important aspects of your operations, from sales and new owner onboarding to leasing, collections, renewals, and more. By bringing operations and marketing under one platform, you can have end-to-end -end visibility of your owners, tenants, and vendors from the first moment they interact with you, allowing you to add more doors with less effort and scale a truly profitable property management business. To learn more, visit rentbridgegroup.com today. All right, welcome back. I got Daniel Craig here. Danny, are you ready for the lightning round? Let's hit it, man. I have uh, no idea what this is about, so don't surprise me. Too bad. That hurts my feelings because that means you haven't been listening to the NARPM podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people that would hurt my feelings if I had feelings. So uh, for those who've worked with me or, or know me well, they, they would get that one pretty good. What is one piece of advice you would give someone who's just starting out in business? Uh, surround yourself with mentors and advisors. Don't go it alone. And I'm a Christian, so I would say trust God and he'll bless your business. I would have thought you would have went know your numbers, but I like those two even better. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't know why this is even a thing because everybody I interview have said no, except for like, like one person. So... What book are you currently reading or one that has impacted your business or life? 
Yeah, I'm uh, currently digesting this book right here, Coaching Habits, Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever. And it's about killing the advice monster. Great book for how to cultivate and coach your team. Nice. I actually own that one. Nice. I can't I haven't read I haven't read in a while. What Marvel character do you most associate with? Ooh, I don't watch Marvel videos. I'm sorry. Can't I can't answer that one. All right. We're gonna change. I'm not gonna get you out of this one. What Disney character do you most associate with? <gasps> I know you have I know you have some young ones, so <laughs> ass man. I didn't grow up on Disney. <laughs> Oh my God! No Disney or Marvel, man. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Who's the uh, the the imp from Monsters Inc. Like the green guy, Mike Mike Kazowski. Mike 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 Kazowski. I love it. What is one challenge you are currently facing in your business? I would say that the challenge that we're facing in our business is is talent. You know, it's uh, recruiting, retaining talent. What was your first job? First job was uh, sales. Uh, sold distance learning college degrees to homeschool students. No way. All right. I thought when you said sales, I thought you were going to say Cutco. That seems to be a pretty, pretty. <laughs> What's your ideal vacation? You know, I, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of tropical vacations with my family. Nice. Other than the NARPM podcast, what other podcasts would you recommend? Yeah, uh, would yeah, <laughs> definitely the Narvin podcast with Pete Newbig. Got to start there, <laughs> and then uh, also would uh, recommend the uh, Profitable Property Management podcast with Jordan Moila. Yep. That's another great one. That is a good one. And then dogs or cats? Which ones do you prefer? Dogs. All right, man. You have survived the lightning round, Daniel. If somebody wants to get in touch with you or interested in the PM Profit Coach, how can they reach out to you and reach and get to you, access you? Yeah, shoot me an email, Daniel at pmprofitcoach.com. Always enjoy connecting with uh, property management entrepreneurs. You guys inspire me. It's, it's a tough business, but it's a great business. And always enjoy the chance to just, you know, provide some free commentary on your income statement. That's typically where we start. Hey, hey let's let's just sit down and take a look at your profit and loss statement over virtual coffee and get you some, some value and some insights in terms of how to drive financial performance. Um, and if we can ever work with someone at a more in-depth level to help them go to the next level, we're excited to do that. And I can personally recommend PM Profit Coach because at Empire, we use them and I loved the dashboards and we were able to take lots of action. So I uh, highly recommend them. Awesome. If you want to join NARPM, please go to NARPM, N-A-R-P-M dot O-R-G or call them at 800-732-3452. Tell me good buddy Pete Newbig sent you over there. And if you are looking to reduce your direct labor efficiency rate, then go to VPM Solutions, V Virtual P Property M Management Solutions.com, and you can browse and search over 7,000 virtual team members, global team members from 136 countries located across the globe that are ready to work in property management. So, Daniel, thank you so much for your time, and we will see you guys next time. See you, everybody. Thank you, Pete. This has been a production of the National Association of Residential Property Managers, the recognized leader in property management, along with your host, Pete Newbig, CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at narpum.org.